This is the All Sports Podcast devoted to your favorite teams in North Texas. Welcome to Ballsy, a production of the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day. Our weekly show is proudly hosted. Okay, strike that. Our show is hosted by Kevin Sherrington, Evan Grant, and myself. I'm David Moore, and who knows, maybe we'll have a special guest or two along the way. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the Dallas Cowboys. Catch other episodes by subscribing to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. We're also on social media. Just search Ballsy Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be notified of the latest episode. Don't forget, it's Ballsy with a Z. Are you ready, sports fans? Ballsy starts now. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Sports Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington, and we got a full house today. We got Evan Grant. Say hello, Evan. Hello. How are you? And we have David Moore. Hi, David. That was a highly successful TV show at one point. <laughs> full house, yeah. I don't know about that. It wasn't successful in our house. Uh, but anyway, uh, we, we'll move on from there. Yeah, because it was in color. Oh. What is that supposed to mean? Well, you don't. You you stopped watching when they went from black and white to color. I did. I did not stop watching. But you know, he said it just hadn't been the same since the Twilight Zone. Make make fun of the fact that we only had a black and white TV, though, Evan. Okay. You make fun of the fact that we were poor. We only had a transistor radio until I was thirty-one. That is not correct. Remember the rabbit ears on the TV? Well, yes. actually, you'll actually wrap foil around the tips of it too, I, I because never, for some reason you thought that gave you better reception. We didn't do that, but we did have we had the antenna up on the roof, and occasionally you had to go outside mm-hmm. and, and move the pole around. You know, to up get on the, the roof. On the roof. <laughs> well, we, you could do it from the ground, but it had a, it was a, there was a pole, and you could move the antenna that way. No, we weren't that poor. Dad would have us go out there and do that in a, in a raging electric storm. If know? anyone is listening, which I doubt, can you? <laughs> Anyone under the age of thirty, they're going what? No, we were on another. What the? We were in another on another planet. Why, why didn't you just stream it? Stream it, yeah. Or look at it on your phone. On your phone. Yeah. All right, let's move on from the old days talk. Um, so a little bit of news has developed since the last time we were here. Uh, the Cowboys uh, not only have I'm not going to say fired because we we don't like to moved on. They have moved on from Jason Garrett. Uh, after nine and a half years, let his contract expire, which officially expires Wednesday. Is that not correct, David? Yes, which is why just moments before this podcast began, the Cowboys actually had to give permission to the New York Giants for the Giants to interview Jason Garrett is later right? this week. Yes. Very interesting. Yes. Very interesting. So what if, what if he ends up being... Uh, well, good chance because uh, Matt Rule is going to go to Carolina and canceled his interview with New York. Did and, he really? And the word out of the word out of New York was that the only shot Garrett had was if they couldn't get Rule, and so now they're not going to get Matt Rule because he's going to he's in right? negotiations right now with Carolina to become their next head coach. Before we go any further with the Jason Garrett slash Mike McCarthy talk, I, I want to say one thing about Matt Rule going to Carolina. Uh, Shame on any media person who says he told us he was going to stay. He signed a contract. He did not. He didn't say that. Matt Rule. He didn't say he was going to stay, did he? Well, he didn't exactly say that. But he said, he, here's the thing. He said he planned. He planned on being. Stay. Yeah. Which at that point he did because he hadn't had any interviews. And this is, again, the great world in which we live in. It's all context, um, right? Uh Plan to stay. Semantics is what it is. It's a, yeah, it's, sure. It, it, it's all it is. No, well, I, I'm not. I'm not blaming Matt Rule. This is what coaches do. I'm sure. saying shame on the media. I I, I, saw, I saw media people tweeting out a month ago. Oh, he won't leave. He likes it here. And th- that's ridiculous to say that. I wouldn't say that about any coach. Yeah, but but then I also saw after after he made those comments, it was like you know, Rule declares he will stay at Baylor. Yes. And then you read the comment, you're going. That's not really what he said. No, that's not what he said. <laughs> that's not what he said no, at all. Said. You shouldn't, but, but at any rate, you shouldn't believe that about any coach. Coaches do this all the time, and it's it's sure. it's uh, not necessarily an indictment of coaches. But it's an indictment of anybody who believes it. Yeah, and this isn't uh, this isn't the Matt Rule podcast. I understand, but um, look, if if he ever had aspirations to go to the NFL. <laughs> uh, if he ever thought that I just don't want to be a college coach, I want to give the NFL a try. 
this was the year to do it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he was the top candidate on two to three teams. Yes. Um, if he didn't make the transition now, he wasn't going to have a better opportunity right. uh, for him to go. So it made perfect sense for him to go now. I would say the same thing, too, and, and, and this is not the Lincoln Riley podcast either, but about him and his decision. I read yeah. a lot of people who said um, – Oh, why would he leave that? He's making good money. It's a great place. He can win championships. All of that is true, uh, certainly. And there's nothing wrong with staying in Oklahoma and being mm-hmm. a college coach if that's what you want to do. Sure. I've been told that he does want to coach in the NFL. And if you want to coach in the you NFL. strike when the iron's hot. You do have yeah. to do that. Because if, if all that, about timing. You can say all you want to that, oh, something else will come along. Mm-hmm. You, don't, you don't know that. No, you don't. You don't know what's going to happen to you and your job. Let's, let's look what happened up at, at North Texas. You know, if if the coach there had taken the job after they were when they were when they sure. were winning, if he'd gone someplace else, he didn't. He waited, and maybe he waited too long. Yeah. You just you just never can tell what can happen. In, in Speaking of waited too long, should yeah. we get back to, yeah, back the, to Cowboys the Cowboys and Jason Garrett? All right, let's do that. Okay. Uh, so first of all, I like uh, that for a segue. Yeah, that was you great, like that. I like it. Yeah, yeah, we we need to get into some Jason Garrett talk here. Actually, I guess Mike McCarthy talk. I I don't know what you want to turn, how you want to break it up, label this, but. I I think we should start with a little bit and not too long because because Jason had nine and a half years here. Just a little bit about what each of us thinks about the Jason Garrett, 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 the Jason Garrett era. And and I think David summed it up really, really well the other day with his. his, Eisenhower quote um, when he said that you know you prepare. did he run with Eisenhower? Yes, <laughs> I thought that was Nixon. He, no, it was Eisenhower. Okay. Um, what was the quote, David? He you prepare for the battle, you fight the war, you fight you, pre- to, you to prepare for the it, war, you, you fight plan, the battle. Yeah, you plan for the war and then you fight for the and and Bill Belichick kind of uses that as his guiding principle, and he he massages the quote a little bit because again. Belichick has to make it his own. He can't just all be Eisenhower's. And, uh, sure and, and it's basically like, you know, look, you, you plan and you prepare for the game. But once you get to the game, all of that's out. Right. You've got to adapt to what's in front of you. And your planning and your preparation makes you gives you a better chance of winning that battle. But it's not like you can say this is what we're going to do when we go into battle and you follow that plan A to B to C to D. Uh, it just doesn't happen that way. And, and I think that was, I think more than any quote I've seen, that kind of exemplifies Jason Garrett. Uh, I think he, I, I think the his culture. to do that. Yeah, his inability. I, th- I think the culture he installed here is, is very strong and, and very good. Um, you know, I think he brought accountability to the organization. I think his planning and his preparation uh, was outstanding. Uh, but what he didn't do was his game management. He didn't adapt to the situations that he found himself in quickly enough. And, and I think if you want to take it one step beyond that, um, his consistency is, is another uh, bedrock principle of his. And it's, you know, you stack one good day on top of another, one good practice on top of another. Well, it, th- this whole living in the moment thing is good, but that superseded seizing the moment. A- right. And every time they were in a position to seize the moment that would alter the trajectory of the franchise under Jason Garrett, they didn't do it. And so I, I think that drumbeat of stack one good day on top of another, one good practice on top of another, uh, people started to roll their eyes because then you step back and you go, okay, all of that's fine. Why don't you stack one playoff season on top of another, mm-hmm. which is something he never did here in his nine and a half years. Right. The Cowboys never made the playoffs in back-to-back seasons. And so clearly um, this this franchise under his leadership had uh, a certain malaise had set in, a, a certain ceiling had set in, and there was no reason to expect uh, you know expectations to, to alter or uh, their performance to alter from what we'd seen. You know, I, I kind of look at that uh, in, in Jason's approach here to a little bit of my approach when when I was a feature writer here, and they would say, uh, we want you to go do a story on something, go someplace, mm-hmm. go to a town, something like that. And then they uh, and then there, there would be a subject, obviously, they sure. want me to write it. And sometimes they would ask me, you know, so, so what are you going to write about? And I, and I would tell them, let me get there, and I'll, and I'll tell you what I'm going to write about. Mm-hmm. Let, let me get in the actual place and see what's there, and then I might have an idea of what I want to do, but but yeah. I had to be willing to see what 
that was there first. Yeah. And what mm-hmm. dictates that thing? And that was the same thing in this game. But that was, to me, the thing about a Jimmy Johnson. Uh, clearly, in a game, Jimmy had an idea of what he was going to do, and yet he was he was ready to make decisions on the on the spur of the moment. You know, and, and that's what to me any any great coach does. And I, and I think that that's the the thing about uh, Jason, and, and I always felt this way to the very end was that a really smart guy, but a consensus builder. Uh, and not, a, not the kind of smart guy who wants to make um, rash decisions. Mm-hmm. Not, the, not the kind of smart guy who, who's willing to say, you know, we need to do this. You know, uh, if you look at what Jason did and how He's he, very smart, but he's a linear thinker. Yes. He, he, he is not, yeah, I mean, there are different types of thinkers. And, and there, is, there is a difference, I think, in the approach that you're going to be in control and calm and measured throughout versus the idea that if you're if you're being flexible so to speak you're you're all over the place there's no yeah. consistency in that and i think that the best coaches are the ones who have a plan and go into that game with a plan and still can make changes on the fly without losing their measured approach mm-hmm. or um or or their uh their philosophy and and i feel like there was just too many times that, yeah, Jason and the Cowboys went into a game with a game plan. And if that game plan went according to form, they won handily. Mm-hmm. But in the games when things started to go awry, which is going to happen at least half the time, right? Yeah. You know? It, it, sure. There was there seemed to be— Talent level's very close in the league. Yeah. yeah. There just seemed to be a lack of ability to— adapt to that and I know the thing that I've hammered on over and over again is it seemed like every game Jason Garrett was very happy if it came down to the last possession and too often everything had to go right in the last possession for the Cowboys to win and you just can't do it that way and sometimes in earlier years you almost got the sense they were playing to go into the final possession when they could have created some separation but chose to play it conservatively this year it's interesting that again this was his I would argue in his nine and a half seasons here, this is the only year, the only extended stretch where this team failed to play up to the expectations and its talent level. Uh, now you can go back on that other four and twelve season when they went through four quarterbacks and um, yeah, and they, and they were four and twelve, but but there were some catastrophic injuries there. As far as you know, having the team you expected and having them coach coaching them to or above the level you would expect them to play, this was far and away his worst year in that oh, regard. there's no question about and, that. And, and going back to, to what you were saying, Evan, you know, I was struck by um, the other thing you were talking about, Jason going into the games and, and being reluctant to alter his plan. To me, that was really underscored this year. Not in the fact that they jumped out to lead. I mean, this year actually early, I thought they did a better job of when they got an early lead. They uh, they applied pressure and, and put the game out of reach. What happened was they would fall behind early, stick with their plan a quarter, a quarter and a half longer than they should, and then go, you know, this isn't working. Now let's go into this. And to me, what illustrates that is in their eight losses this year, if you look at the highest deficit, in each of those games, and get the combined score, it was 145 to 23. Now they didn't; they only lost two games by more than one score. Mm-hmm. They lost to 11 points to Buffalo and 10 points to Green Bay. Those were their two biggest losses of the year. Not even close to blowout losses as far as the t- final score, but they were behind 145 to 23. That shows a, a coaching staff that's just reluctant to change. It shows a, an offense that ranked number one in the league that got a lot of hollow yards. A lot of them came uh, when it didn't matter. But, again, Green Bay. They fell behind Green Bay 31-3. to mm-hmm. They lost, what, 34-24. So it's like, well, that wasn't that bad of a loss if you just look at the final score. They were never in it. Yeah. So, I mean, they had a lot of games like that this year, <laughs> which, which they had not had previously under Jason Garrett. No. Uh, Go ahead, Kevin. No, I was just going to say no, and that's and that's the that was the issue for me. And I, I think the message had been lost. I think that uh, there were too too many guys in the team who underachieved, especially on defense. Um, too many guys went backwards. 
whether that's the, the mix of coordinators with Marinelli and Chris Richard, uh, what, whatever it was that happened, I do think it's possible that after a certain amount of time, uh, the message uh, is lost. It's white noise, uh, what you're saying to people. And I think, that's was, I think that was the case with, with Jason Garrett in the end. Um, and it was time for a, just a, a different voice uh, and somebody who was going to win and somebody who could, could win. So that brings us... And very, very quickly, to, to conclude Jason Garrett talk, since, since I threw in the bon mot about uh, asking the Cowboys for permission to talk to him, oh, yes. uh, we should say in the four minutes we've been talking that the Giants are finalizing a deal with New York, with uh, New England Patriots wide receivers coach Joe Judge to be their next head coach. Really? So... If Jason Garrett goes to New York, it would be as an offensive coordinator, you would assume. It will not be as the head coach. How about that? All right. I, I, before we get into the new coach, yeah, Mike McCarthy, yeah, we assume, since there still hasn't been a, any official announcement. Mike McCarthy's announced it. Mike McCarthy. The club has not. Yeah. I, I, um, I, I just have to get both of y'all's opinion because this is, uh, this has angered me. I can't imagine the level of frustration that that David has had trying to report this story for the last week. But give me an explanation on why the Cowboys, your best pos- plausible explanation on why the Cowboys did things the way they did. Uh, what was the reason for it? Well, I will just as a to start the conversation with a little historical context, I go back to when they hired Bill Parcells. And Dave Campo was preparing to play Philadelphia in week 16. And Jerry and Stephen Jones met with Bill Parcells for three hours in a conference room at Teterboro Airport and then said, you know, we haven't talked enough. Why don't you come on our plane and we'll talk another two hours? So uh, I will go back to when this club hired Wade Phillips to be the next head coach, and they interviewed and installed Jason Garrett first as the offensive coordinator and then told their head coach, look, this is going to be your offensive coordinator because this is our heir apparent. And you're, you know, can you deal with that? If you can, the job is yours. So uh, they go about things this way. Now, that's not to uh, explain or excuse it, but uh, they've, they've gone through this model before. Um <laughs> Still don't have the full explanation, and people have been very tight-lipped up to this point. I think some things will start to come out later this week uh, once everyone has moved on. Um, you know, look, initially there was uh, – they felt they owed Jason Garrett the right to go out the way he wanted to – if he wanted to have individual exit interviews with all of his players. Um, that was being true to himself. That's how he'd always approached his job. They were going to do that. Uh, so, but you take that through Tuesday, Wednesday was New Year's, so you're not, you know, you're not going to do much there. But then from Thursday on, it got very odd. Uh, there seemed to be no plausible explanation. And, and I know people are saying, well, maybe they're holding on to him because the Giants really do want him and they don't want to, you know, release him into the division. Um, I, I think that was, uh, I, you know, I think there are small kernels of truth to all of this, but but I will say that the overriding principle to me was always one. Um, look, Jerry Jones truly does love Jason Garrett. Uh, that is not that is not hyperbole. He loves Jason Garrett, but and that's good in life and unfortunate in the NFL. Yeah, and and, uh, and look because because. Jerry's greater obligation is always to the organization than Correct. any individual. Absolutely. And so um, he would, while he loves him, it, so all of, all of Jerry's love relationships or close relationships are transactional on some level because the, the Cowboys always supersedes it. And uh, uh, very quickly, I'll say it, that's not just ownership level. You can take that back to the relationship between Jason Garrett and Tony Romo. Uh, clearly, they got along, go out, go to basketball games together, part of the basketball fun bunch, spent time together in the offseason. When Dak Prescott, when this team was coming together under Dak Prescott, and there's a question of whether or not Tony Romo would come back and assume the, head co- assume the job as the quarterback, uh, Jason Garrett was like, well, no, that's not what's best for the team. 
Uh, so he put all of them in these positions, put team above their individual sure. uh, desires or relationships. So you would hope they would do that. Sure, and and, and you had that working, and and so so my point was one, but but for whatever reason, for the delay. Jerry was never going to do anything that would jeopardize the franchise's ability to get the head coach they targeted. And I also never felt that that Jerry would do anything mean-spirited or that would put Jason Garrett at a disadvantage to get another job going no, forward. No, uh, You know, I, I think there's an element to – I think this has been w- much overblown. I think there's an element to – Jason lobbied for why he should stay here later last week than maybe they anticipated, um, and, and maybe that threw them a little bit. But, but you know what I was told was just, and I got to say I was really surprised by that. Yeah, and and, and I don't I don't think it's I, I don't think it was. Again, I think it's being portrayed differently than what how it actually. Like I said, I I think there are probably a couple of factors that will that will come out down the road that will explain this, but, but no one's hit on them yet. And, uh, um, but, but there has to be something that explains this from both sides. You know, strategically, I will say, I think there is some benefit to the Cowboys for them, this perception of, look, they're just laying in the weeds here. They're not in this head coach search yet. Uh, so let's just go ahead and our, schedule our interview with Mike McCarthy for Friday, and oh, let's go ahead and do Matt Rule next week, and you know we'll. And so I, I think that I, I think there's I think other teams organizations got a false sense of well we're well ahead in our search of where Dallas is, and, and I find it very interesting. I know we're not talking about McCarthy yet, but I was told Mike McCarthy was actually scheduled to come in here for an interview last Thursday. Which again makes this whole Jason Garrett thing even more baffling to me because because McCarthy was going to come in on Thursday, rescheduled to come in on on Saturday, and after he rescheduled, then he scheduled an interview with Cleveland on Thursday and the New York Giants on Friday. So, I think once you kind of get to why that was rescheduled, what was going I think there were some strategic things for the Cowboys behind the scenes as far as when they wanted to get to their guy, who their guy was, the fact they knew they weren't going to have an expansive search. And uh, and I think jumping out and doing McCarthy when they did, like I said, you're starting to see a couple of others fall today. But I think that gave them a, a, a jump, uh, a 48-hour jump. And it doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're putting a staff together – from scratch, um, I, I think it helps, and I, I think they're going to be two, maybe three player, two, two to maybe three assistants on this staff once it shakes out. That uh, you know they were probably able to get because they've been working on it forty eight hours ahead of when Carolina and the New York Giants got to start working on it. Kevin, what is for you? What is the way the the way the Cowboys have conducted this say about the Cowboys? You know, uh, it's a little bit of the Stockholm Syndrome here. You, you've been around all this long enough. It's like, this is just what you expect. You know, I, I don't, you know, I, it's it's fun to, it's fun for us because it's something we can make fun of. I'm just used to the Cowboys doing business like this. Uh, this is, you know, after 30 years, this is what this is what Jerry does. And so he, he may have a perfectly rational decision or explanation for it. At least it's rational to him. Um, at this point, I don't really care. Uh, I, I I just I'm ready to move on and and uh, and see what they do with the new head coach. Yeah, this yeah, is how for, they do business. But I mean, yeah, it, it's very, it's. But for it, for me, all right, you guys yeah. are, are are closer to it. You obviously are like I am with the Rangers. I, I we're embedded with the club. We understand nuance and all of that. And I'm here to explain their behavior, not necessarily not say, <laughs> endorse not say it, what condone the, it, whatever. What the heck is going on? Um. And Kevin, you you've got an institutional knowledge of the club that goes back thirty years. But but from my perspective, really looking at this from the outside and being about as as close to the club almost as as I think fans are in in terms of just knowledge of the goings on, they've become the the Raiders in Al Davis's final years to me. Um, out of touch with the league, out of touch with how to operate in the modern day NFL. Um, I, I think whatever your your plan with Jason Garrett, you could have made it very clear 
um, that Jason was not going to return and that out of respect to him and out of respect to his relationship with players, that he would finish conducting his uh, exit interviews with his players. Mm-hmm. Um, if the whole idea was subterfuge to create some sense of indecision that they were maybe considering thinking him, I think thinking about retaining him, I, I can't imagine anybody in the NFL thinking that, oh, they'll go through this whole process and then keep the coach that they basically just give a vote of no confidence to. So I'm from, from my perspective, I think, and let's use this as a jumping off point into McCarthy. I mean, I think McCarthy uh, is as good a hire as they could have made Mm -hmm. uh, based on where this team is, but it's still the way the Cowboys go about business that I think at this point is there's a level of arrogance there with nothing really to back it up with with no substance to back it up and and it just appears that this is a team that that's just out of touch no competitive substance to back yeah. it up for yeah. the last 25 years right. it, it is a 4.4 billion dollars it, it's still the highest ratings of, of all games in the nfl when they're on and, and, and that's that is all well and good but they're that, the kardashians of the nfl that yes. benefits jerry jones and stephen jones and them only it doesn't and benefit but it, all the franchise these but it but it fuels that Right, he can say that he can right. say, "Look, I, I I've built a four point four billion dollar empire here, which he has." Yes, but th- nobody cares about how many billions you've built. Nobody cares, but he it does. Did, but it, but it, but it <laughs> informs Jerry. Now, there's a lot of people who do. There are a lot of people who put a lot of stock in that. So, uh, so I, I'm not saying I do, but I'm saying that a lot of people, and I understand that. So, all right. So the McCarthy hire. Um, let's start with you, Kevin. I mean, you're paid to give opinions. So, what is your opinion? You know, uh, I, I don't think it's I don't think it's a great hire. I don't think it's a bad hire. I think it's I think it's uh, it's a nice hire. Uh, as you as you you know, I have to say, you know, over the years, I had a cursory kind of uh, observations of the Packers and Mike McCarthy and and Aaron Rodgers. I knew there was a little bit of a, a rift between them. I didn't know the extent of it until I went back uh, yesterday and and read what Tyler Dunn for Bleacher Report wrote last spring. A very in-depth uh, story, talking to, uh, as he put it, dozens of players, former players, uh, insiders in the Packers organization, people around the league, about uh, about uh, McCarthy's tenure, about his relationship with uh, Rodgers, which apparently was awful from the first day, uh, and it just got worse from there. Uh, and a lot, and and most of that is not. Mike McCarthy's fault. Most of that is Aaron Rodgers' fault, a very egotistical, overly sensitive, unbelievably talented quarterback. Uh, and so, you know, my, my take on it, and I am taking a lot of abuse on Twitter about this, is that that Mike McCarthy had the most talented quarterback in the history of the NFL. That's what I believe, uh, that he is the most talented quarterback to ever play the position, and he won one Super Bowl. Now, that's not necessarily an indictment. I'm just saying that there are people who say, yeah, he should have won four or five mm-hmm. uh, Super Bowls with, with that kind of quarterback. Um, and he had some pretty good teams around him as well. Um, and, and then at the end, when you look at what happened there in the last two years and when he was fired with a 4-7-1 record last year, and when you're when you, the first year after you leave, the team goes 13-3, and that doesn't necessarily mean that you did a bad job uh, in your last year, but it's certainly not a recommendation for you. It's not saying that, oh, well, that this wasn't your fault at all. Right. Well, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't, uh, but it doesn't look good on your resume. And so, you know, th- there were there were things about Mike McCarthy that he lost his enthusiasm for the job, that he certainly lost his creativity. They weren't running pre-snap motion. They weren't doing a lot of things that they had been doing before. His offenses looked stale. Uh, he, it, it had lost all its uh, pizzazz. Pretty much they were asking wide receivers just to get open on their own. These were things that that we complained about the Cowboys offense before Kellen Moore came in, that they, they didn't run any rub routes. They didn't do anything to try to help these guys get open. They were just up to them to get, get to get open. And this is what Mike McCarthy was doing at the end. So uh, one other thing I would add about that on my, my comment about, about Aaron Rodgers, when I say he's the most talented quarterback ever, I'm not saying he's the best quarterback ever. Tom Brady is the best. Winning, you measure a quarterback, the best one, by how many times he wins. Now, he had certainly had the benefit of Bill Belichick working with him. 
was is Mike McCarthy Bill Belichick? No, he's not. That's not an indictment to say that. Uh, I don't think he's as good as Aaron Rod. I mean, I don't think he's as good as Sean Payton is either. Uh, that's not necessarily an indictment either. I think he's a good coach. I, I I don't know how good he really is. I do know that his work is cut out for him here. And Sean Payton has won how many Super Bowls with Drew Brees as quarterback? One. Yeah. And, and that's what people point out to me. And that's yeah. And that's and that's correct. I, I don't think Drew Brees is as good as Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. I don't think I don't I don't think Aaron I don't think Drew Brees would say. He was as good as Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've talked to a lot of quarterbacks about Aaron Rodgers, and and they all talk oh, about the fact all, yeah. that this guy spins the ball better than anybody who ever threw it. Uh, and, and in any position you want to put him in, when he's doing it, uh, I, and he's probably gone off schedule too much and maybe done some things he shouldn't have done. And certainly, he created an atmosphere there, which is also important uh, to, to note, of a cancer. That here you got the head coach. I mean, you got the the quarterback who can't get along with the head coach. How's the rest of the team supposed to feel about that? Mm-hmm. He has no respect for the head coach. Sure. And so, so Mike McCarthy comes here, he's going to get a guy who is the ultimate team player. Yeah, there's not going to be an issue between Mike no. McCarthy and Dak Prescott whatsoever. No, It's no. going to be a breath of fresh air for, for oh, McCarthy. And, maybe, and then that's probably going to be good for him. And so we'll see how it goes. All right, but Kevin, you and I, we talked about this last week during the um, – whatever we'll call that period. The, the waiting period? The waiting period. Um, that based on things that Jerry had said and based on the team that he had, right? that he felt he had a team capable of winning a Super Bowl right now, that he feels like he doesn't have all the time in the world. Right. Uh, 77 years old. Yes. That there was a very specific resume for this job, and it started with, have you won a Super Bowl? Mm-hmm. Um, and so who was out there? McCarthy was out there. Unless Sean Payton had become available, or Mike Zimmer, but you know, but Mike Zimmer hasn't won a Super Bowl, right? Right. Sorry, and then been to a Super Bowl. I was thinking about Mike because of the association, right? Right. But sorry, most qualified. Look, it's you know, Jerry was very vocal from the start. He wanted Jason Garrett to be his Tom Landry, right? And he invested nine and a half years. I'm only talking about nine and a half years as a head coach. He right. invested several other years in him as a coordinator. Right. Uh, so, so really more than 12 years he was invested in Jason Garrett to become the next Tom Landry. Um, now that you know that's not going to happen, you, you want a coach that no assembly required when you're bringing in. You, right. you don't want a – because, look, everyone else – is a projection and projecting or, or a leap of faith isn't bad. Uh, you know, well, that was th- those are next... some of the biggest things you hit on, or, or when you actually take that leap of faith, and, and that and that pays the biggest dividends. But but the shortest leap was with McCarthy because McCarthy has won a division six times. He's won a Super Bowl. Uh, you know, he's like what fifty, sixty games over five hundred as a regular season a, record. A six eighteen winning percentage. Yeah, yeah, you feel like the highest floor was with McCarthy, and I think no it, question. I think is I think Tim Callishaw wrote uh, during again the waiting period, um, the waiting era, as we'll call it, uh, that Jerry just needed to find a coach that was slightly better than Garrett. That's what he needed, and 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 that's what he 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 needed for this team. I still think that the question for me comes back to, yeah, this is fits the profile of everything Jerry seems to need. Is it the best possible hire, in your opinion? Would w- Could the Cowboys have done better had they pursued first-time coaches? Do you think there was somebody better out there? I think that's just so hard to say that. Um, you know, it, it, we talked about this before we went on there, about, about a Lincoln Riley, uh, you know, or, or somebody like that. Could, you know, my, my problem with, with Lincoln is that there's no question he's a great offensive mind. Uh, his teams have played no defense, you know, or they have not played defense. Now, some of that has to do with personnel and who you're recruiting and who you're getting or who you're able to get. But uh, that, that would be a definite question right. in my mind about that. So, I mean, you know, if I – I would have certainly talked to the, to, the, to the Saints and said, what's it going to take to get Sean to come, okay? Is it going to cost us two ones? Is it going to cost us uh, – Two firsts and a, and a second. What, what's it going to be? And I tell you, I, I'm just that enamored of, of Sean Payton. I think he's a truly great coach. I think he's the second best coach in the NFL. Uh, so I would have at least talked to them about it. And maybe he did. I don't know. 
uh, and maybe Sean doesn't want to come back. Maybe Sean said, "Look, I just I just can't do it now." You I'm know, sticking th- here until Breeze retires. To me, it, again, yeah. it's all it's all about the timing. I don't I don't think Sean was going. Yeah, I think Sean's ties to Breeze are every bit as strong as they are to or stronger than to New Orleans. And, and I I've, I've always thought that something would have to happen there. Now you know, and but again, but <laughs> I mean, play this out. Okay, Dallas says, okay, we'll go, we'll give you anything for Peyton. So Peyton leaves, and then Drew Brees is a free agent, and then he leaves New Orleans. Like, Sean Payton could never step foot in the state of Louisiana again. <laughs> I mean, that'd be like, that would be Cajun hit squad. And he's got that tattoo him. and everything. <laughs> Florida uh, they, don't forget about it if LSU wins this week. So. <laughs> that's right. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was, that's the question for me is I, the only problem I guess I have in this. Well, we've talked about the public mm-hmm. way this has played out, but and I get that you know you've identified that a experienced NFL head coach was the way you wanted to go. Does that mean you don't invest in interviewing a O'Reilly or a Rule or reach out to them and 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 see if hey maybe there's something we're missing here? No, I think that, listen, I tell you, the interview process is a great thing. I don't it's know free why. Information. I don't know why you wouldn't sure. talk to as many people as possible. Because just what you're saying, you talk to other guys from other organizations, and you find out what other people. Not not that you're spying on people. You're just trying to get an idea. It's free corporate what? espionage. Yeah, it's absolutely. Free corporate. What do you, what do you do? They can over tell here? you what works and what doesn't work with what you have. Absolutely. You know? If you're if you're and that's why and, and I don't want to talk about the, the Rooney Rule here. That's why the Rooney Rule is such a good thing. It forces organizations to talk to people that they might not talk to otherwise. And and you're going to find out what this guy is like uh, in, in a situation and how he responds to it. You're going to find out things you, you wouldn't normally have found. It's just like when we do a story, right? If I come back when I was a feature writer and sometimes I would write a story that I'm going to have, sometimes I'd have 40 people I'd talk to for it. Uh, if I come back and write a 100-inch story and I've talked to one person or two people, they're going to say, Where's your research on this? Mm-hmm. Who, who did you talk to? The more people I talk to, the more things I find out, the, the better the better the story is. And and that's the same way in, in this kind of thing. You cannot have too much information. You know, you're going to find out more than you can you if you don't process it properly. Well, right. Yes, I agree with yes. you. You don't want to get paralyzed by, by no, the analysis. No, but, no, that's right. But I do think, you know, it's been 10 years since Jerry hired a head coach, right? 12 years since they've actually had an expansive process Search. where they interviewed 10, pl- you know, 10 people and went, okay, tell us what you think. What, how do they do it there? What's, yeah. And, and both the college game and the NFL game have, have changed in 12 mm-hmm. years. And, and, and I think that you probably owed it to yourself to say, okay, what does this generation of college coaches, what does the cream of this generation of college coaches potentially have to offer for me both in the short and long term. And you still are well within your rights to say, look, I, I think this guy's got more upside, but McCarthy's got a higher floor, and I think he can take this team quicker to where it needs, where I think it needs to go. But I think you're not doing yourself or your organization justice if you don't pursue at least saying, okay, let's, let's at least investigate here and take sure. the free information. There, there's two sides to this. You know, one is that Mike had other – options right so you mm-hmm. got to be careful here you, you can't get you can't string two other places yeah, yeah you, you can't string this thing along too long but but to your point let's take cliff kingsbury now cliff was a failure at texas tech as a head coach just couldn't win uh not a great recruiter just didn't do a lot you know but he was a quarterback whisperer not not only did this guy coach quarterbacks but when we talk about identifying head coaches he could identify a quarterback the guys he brought in it was unbelievable. He was taking three star guys and making them into stars, mm-hmm. uh, and at least pass or passing them off to somebody else where they became stars. Uh, and and in his first year uh, with with the Cardinals and Kyler Murray, the, the quarterback he always wanted, they were pretty good. You know, for for a guy who was not any good at Texas Tech, they had a pretty to good make season that leap, yeah. in Arizona. That's a big leap to make. So to me, that's a big because uh, look. Here's Cliff Kingsbury, and here's Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley is is kind of like uh, Cliff Kingsbury on steroids here. So if if Cliff could do that, there's every reason to believe that Lincoln could do that as well. So you you have to think about these kind of things and these possibilities. My, my belief comes from, or or my stance on this comes from where baseball is right now. And, and if you watch hires throughout baseball, particularly on the player development side, you've seen more and more 
turning to college coaches. And college coaches have kind of led the way in some biomechanical um, research and, and data analysis and all of that. And, and certainly they've got smaller programs than college football coaches do. But the college game in baseball has come a long way, and the college game in football has always basically been, obviously, the minor leagues for the player mm-hmm. development system for the NFL. And, and, and I just feel like in the whole process of doing your due diligence, there certainly could have been an opportunity for you to have talked to one or two of these guys and still acted on McCarthy um, as quickly as you ultimately do. Yeah, my my belief is the coach they hire after McCarthy – it's going to be an expansive process. It's going to talk. It's going to be okay. Let's call information from every level. Look at every level. Let's assess where our organization is. What we're doing. I think on this one, I think they're sitting there. They're saying, okay, four seasons ago, rookie quarterback, rookie running back, primarily the nucleus, the good young nucleus of this team in place. Going back four years ago to 2016, we were 13 and three in a number one seed. We're now eight and eight. It's here. We've allowed this window to shut a quarter of the way when we shouldn't have. We've got it. You know what? Maybe there are things we need to do differently. We'll do them differently down the road. If we can incorporate them as we go, we'll do it. But we've got everything is in place right now. This team should be playing this weekend. We should not be here talking about who the next head coach is and can we get this guy in as offensive coordinator or keep him. Uh, we've got to win right now. We're already behind from where we are. Well, look, if Mike McCarthy comes in and takes this team to the, to the Super Bowl next year and in the process offends every player in the locker room and it is an untenable situation in 21 – it's still been – he satisfied what Jerry needed. He sure. Won, he, sure. He takes his team to one Super Bowl sure. because it, it's got to get to a level that it hasn't been in 25 years. Yeah. Well, and, here, here's the thing about it is that – It's a short-term – I think we're saying this is a short-term fix. Well, look, look – It we, could be longer, but, yeah, I believe they approached it as a short-term fix, which could go into something more. And I don't want to uh, – to, to, lead anybody to believe that I feel differently about this and what I wrote about uh, Mike McCarthy today and and what he was able to do in Green Bay I was merely pointing out what happened in Green Bay and that uh, this is he doesn't have Aaron Rodgers here I like Dak Prescott I think he's a good quarterback and I think he can take them to the Super Bowl what I'm what I'm saying is uh, that he's not as talented as Aaron Rodgers and he will never be as talented as Aaron Rodgers doesn't mean he can't be great uh, but he, he will not do that so uh, Mike is not a panacea uh, but uh, I do think he probably is the best guy they could get at this time, and and I agree with the fact that this, well, you're you're saying if if Peyton was if not, Peyton was right. but I, I do I do think this team is I, I agree with that what Jerry's thinking I do think that they were close to winning, but maybe we're wrong, maybe we're all wrong, maybe maybe this team maybe this regression by the defense this year and these defensive players w- w- was not a mirage, maybe this is. Maybe last year they just played above their heads. No, this is and and this is this is a higher based on on Jerry's belief of where Jerry and Steven's belief of where this team is and what this team is capable. What they have stocked the team personnel the, standpoint, right? The question, and, and yes. then we can we, we can did do another forty five yeah. minutes, yeah. yeah, on whether or not Jerry yes. and Steven uh, and their evaluation process yes. is adequate and we'll and we'll find out and we'll find out in the next couple of years whether this was all accurate or not if, if uh what it but says, i think it will speak more to what the talent level is here than whether 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 it was a coach uh could be uh could be i i, I yeah i mean in, in the end i believe you win with players correct uh players are the first thing coaching is the next thing uh so uh i i do think they have the players you know, we'll find out what Mike Nolan does as a defensive coordinator. It disturbs me a little bit that Mike Nolan has has been a defensive coordinator in about fifteen places. You know, he's never worked anywhere very long. Um, he has a good reputation in, in the league. He certainly comes from great stock. His his dad, Dick Nolan, who worked for the Cowboys and was a was a great coach. So um, I I, I want to see what he's able to do. Uh, after he gets here and, and then how he communicates what he wants to do, just like all these guys. Uh, 
do they get the best out of these players? Do they do they do something with this defense? Do they do does Mike McCarthy and Mike Nolan do they convince the Cowboys that maybe a safety is a good idea? You know, yeah. you know, do do we need to invest in that? Do they do they look at this situation and make recommendations and do the Cowboys act upon them? Or a hulking defensive tackle on the one technique instead yes. of every everyone understood. Yeah, I mean there there are going to be changes like that and and again, you know, and we, I think, we I think focus, the Cowboys you know, will go with that with a new coach, whether they would not have gone sure. with it. Oh, no with, question. With oh, yeah. But because, again, they defer. It's like, well, look, every coach has their scheme. And if Nolan comes in and says, look, I want a safety who can make plays. I, I'm, you know, in my scheme, uh, a safety carries a greater weight than a three technique defensive tackle because of this, right. you know, because of how the linebackers play. Because I mean, then it's like, Okay, I mean and they'll look at that way. What you what you're doing there again, not to oversimplify this, but you've got to convince the general manager that that's the way to go. Sure, and then it gets back to. But he'll give you latitude to do that early, and then and much then, more latitude. And, and then yeah, they'll give latitude. Now, two to three years, if you're not seeing benefits, they're right. going. You know, you tell us this is important, but and we drafted that way, and it's not. So right. why am I going to listen to you on the safety in the second round again? I'm not. So, I mean, all of that. But look, he's whatever Mike McCarthy and, and Nolan and whatever this coaching staff, whatever template, whatever marching orders they give the personnel department on what they like and what's important in their scheme and how it's weighed in their scheme – that is how those players will be assessed, and that's how they'll be presented, and that's how they'll be discussed going through. And we focused on, and you brought up a good point, Kevin. I mean, we focused on coaching, you know, this whole podcast, and, and understandably so and rightfully so. But let's go back to this season. What did the Cowboys' best players, how many of them made plays at points in the game? Where there were plays to be made that altered the out course in a positive impact, had a positive impact on both sides of the ball, especially in the stretch. As good as Dak Prescott was this year, look at his numbers in those final six games of the season. As you know, for for as good as Ezekiel Elliott is, look at those three games in the last seven where he was held below fifty yards rushing. Now you can say it's a circumstance, you can say this, you can say that, but look look at Amari Cooper. Uh, look at his last seven games uh, and the fact he didn't put back-to-back 100-yard games together all season. Mm-hmm. Um, Demarcus Lawrence, well, did a lot of good things, five sacks. You don't make a guy the highest-paid player in franchise history for five sacks. No. I don't care how good he is in other, every other area. So their playmakers on both sides of the ball weren't making plays at key moments. I'm watching the playoffs, and I, I'm watching Bobby Wagner make a tackle. And uh, for the Seahawks, the middle linebacker, and uh, I don't remember who the announcer did was. Did he swipe after he made it? He did not take a swipe, no. And here was the thing that the – and I, I, I can't remember if this was Aikman or not, but somebody said, I bet he, he's only had like ten missed tackles in the last five years. I bet you that the, <laughs> the Cowboys, there were linebackers who had ten missed tackles this year. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and those are the kind of things you're talking about. I'm watching Derrick Henry, a guy that – I just want to say that when the Cowboys drafted Ezekiel Elliott, I said they should draft Jalen Ramsey and wait and take Derrick Henry. Wait and take Henry. Uh, but Derrick Henry is is running hard and running over people. Uh, he running over running, an outstanding defense in New England, too. That's was, a good was, defense. He was an old-time load is what he was this weekend. Yeah, there's no mm-hmm. doubt. He is, he was, and he's the kind of running back who, who won't be able to do that forever. Right. Uh, that, that, that's shorter a, shelf life. That's yeah. a shorter shelf life. But you know what? Uh, he's an Eddie Lacy kind of back, is mm-hmm. what he is. But but yeah. w- when you look at to, to to use a Mike McCarthy example, yeah, yeah. and Eddie Lacy, and, and look what happened to Green Bay's running game after Eddie Lacy right. left. Absolutely, but that's another question on Mike McCarthy. We haven't gotten any questions yet. Look at the run game under Mike McCarthy under his last four or five seasons there after he didn't have Lacy. Yeah, they really struggled. There. Now again, that tells you, and you can say, well, he didn't have a back. Okay. How how much of a priority was it for him to get a back in the draft to incorporate into his system because it's important. So I mean, yeah. a lot of times when you when you look at a team and you go like the Cowboys, oh, their safeties are really subpar. Well, that's because they don't put any value on that position right. and they don't draft to it. And right. and so uh, it's a legitimate question: 
how is Ezekiel Elliott going to fit into this offense going forward? You know, a couple of things I want to ask you real quickly because we're getting close here. But um, all right, let's uh, let me ask you this: So do do Kellen Moore, John Kitna, Sanjay Lal, do they come back? My understanding is that 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 one the ownership has basically put it to Mike McCarthy. You can structure the staff however you want. The the coaches you just mentioned still have a year left on their contracts. We like all of them. Mm-hmm. We think all of them have something to give. At least talk to them and consider them before you make your decision. And, and I, from what I'm hearing, I, I think McCarthy really does like Kellen Moore. Really? Now the question here is, okay, <laughs> he likes him. But are you saying you're you're going to keep Kellen Moore and take play calling away from him and give it? I mean, I w- I believe that Mike McCarthy will come in here and call the plays. Mm-hmm. I believe he'll feel it's even more critical for him to do that in his first season to add value to the franchise and show the players why he is here, right? Um, rather than just overseeing everything. Um, you know, he he gave up play calling briefly in Green Bay, and took it back within the season because things weren't going that well. So I, I I find it difficult to believe that Mike McCarthy would come in here and not call plays, which leads to, okay, you like more, you want him a part of this. So what, he's going to be your offensive coordinator but not call the plays? Uh, so now Kellen Moore has to say, okay, mm-hmm. now I want to still call the plays. Does that mean I have to go back to, to college you know, and do that. Do do I look for? You know, will they release me to look somewhere else? So I I think that's what's that's the dynamic they're they're wrestling through, and it's going to have to be arrived at pretty quickly with the way things are moving. But I, I think he is intrigued by more. Uh, but to me, the question is, how does that work going forward? What does that yeah. arrangement work? Would like? more be intrigued by that? Yeah, uh, is that I, enough for more to say? Sure, I'll stay here, or will he say, you know what, I can go back to the University of Washington and be the offensive coordinator and call plays in college. And um, I'm fine. I'm fine working college or pro. I'll go back to college. He might be the head coach at the University of Washington. Yeah, pretty quick. So. You know, that's kind of funny, isn't it? And we were all making fun of the fact that, that Kellen Moore got the job. And then uh, and then they go no, out. They're trying to, yeah, they're never, how can you keep him? Yeah, how can you keep him? <laughs> and, I, and I think, listen, I think uh, there are enough teams probably intrigued by him that he might be able to get another NFL job. Hey, for, for look, it certainly wasn't flawless last year. And, and as we talked about, there were a lot of, hollow offensive yards gained sure. because of, of early deficits. That being said, they were number one in offense. They had two 1,000-yard receivers, 1,000-yard yeah. rusher, yeah. a 4,000-yard a you know, quarterback. quarterback. I mean, they, they, they were putting up some numbers. And, and his, a lot of his schemes are really pretty interesting. Yeah, they are. Uh, so, uh, play designs, not schemes per se. Do we? Uh, no, the, some of the stuff that I was doing some research on on Mike and, and what he likes to do, is, and of course we we've heard about um, this idea that he has kind of reinvented himself a little bit. Went uh, went back to the farm, sat in his barn, uh, and uh, had a couple of coaches come there. We know that Jim Hazlitt was one of them. He has said that he would like to bring Jim Haslett with him wherever he was going to go. This is before he got the job with the Cowboys. Jim Haslett is a linebacker's coach. That wouldn't be a bad thing. No, it wouldn't be a bad thing. thing. Uh, and we don't know who the other coaches were, at least I don't know, uh, that he had out there. But he, he talked about things that he wanted to do. Well, one of the things he said, and this would certainly go well with, with a lot of Cowboys fans, he, he's a big fan of the play action. So it means that he wants mm-hmm. the quarterback under center more often, so that yeah. facilitates that kind of thing. Uh, when you have a running back – like Zeke Elliott, the, the the play action is is a great play, uh, and so you would think that that would be one of the things he would want to do here. Also, mm-hmm. you would with one of the things he said is that he liked playing uh, essentially with more pace, uh, fat play faster. You would think that means more no huddle. Those are the things that that Dak did very well. Uh, the flip side of that is it was it was not good for this defense, defense yeah. to keep them on the field. That we found that. Early in the season, when we watched the Cowboys play, uh, they were scoring a lot of points, but they were having trouble winning games uh, because their defense was on the field too long. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm wondering is, do you think these are things that uh, they will flesh out here and decide what they're gonna, going to do? Or do you think that Jerry Jones is going to say, listen, we're run first. 
you know, we're going to we're going to still be what we are. We want to dress it up a little bit, be a little more varied, but we're going to be who we are. Well, and you also get into all this. You also get into the the blocking scheme, the zone blocking, yeah. how they go about because right. all these systems go about a little bit differently. And, and again, you know, my question was: I always thought McCarthy was like one of the strongest candidates. My question was always, and and you and you've lost some separation on this in, in the way the league has evolved offensively. But I mean, he came from a West Coast system, right? The Cowboys are the timing, you know, <laughs> much different system. And uh, so I, I think the plays are going to be numbered and called differently. And that doesn't sound like a lot, but all of these guys have been in this system for a while and it's second nature to them. Right. So that's going to change. So that's a bit of a transition. Not that, not that change is bad, but you don't want it so dramatic that, you, you know, players are out there. Oh, wait, now what is, you know, what do I do on this one, this play? Uh, you know, I, again, how they use Elliot to me is going to be kind of the the fulcrum in this whole thing because um, he hasn't, other than Lacey, you haven't seen his teams run the ball that much. It, they, they've gone with the short passing game in lieu of a running game. Yeah, They'll go with, okay, I'm fine having two backs catch, you know, 45 passes, and I'm fine with these four- and five-yard, you know, bubble screens to the the backs and the you know out out wide um just get them in space so uh to me that's going to be interesting um and and you go back they they've run a lot in this time there they ran a lot of short slants yes they did you know which is which is again more what you do at the west coast it's shorter and it's more okay look there's nothing wrong with run after catch i'm getting you in space get me some yardage run after catch and the Cowboys' offense has been much more okay. You run from point A to point C, and then I'll get you the ball at point C, and then whatever you can add after that, great. Mm-hmm. So there, I think there are a few more intermediate and deep routes. And what's going to be interesting is, I mean, you saw you saw Dak excelled at deep routes this year. He did. He really much did. improved. Uh, look, I think it'll all fit. I think it'll all make sense. Uh, and 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 Dak's adaptable too. I think, you know. Dak did well in this offense, but but who's to say Dak's not better in an offense where it's all tempo and all shorter passes and you're making quick reads and going? I mean, that's a lot of what Brady has done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's what other guys fast. have done. That's yeah. what, you know, so it's, um, th- you know, the, the time those two spend together this offseason and what they come up with is really going to, to, to be a key to what you see next year. Yeah. Evan, I don't have much on coordinators. You don't? I, I don't. I, I, I coordinator talk. I, I don't know what it is, and it's the same thing when guys in baseball when when people on on uh, on Twitter want to talk about pitching and hitting coaches. I, I for some reason I just zone out because I feel like, and and it's probably a little bit different in football because you're talking about different schemes and different techniques and and in baseball it's all it's not the fundamentals it's all and pretty the similar refining them yeah but but I mechanics. I think the biggest thing that to coaching is is something that we rarely see and that is the ability to communicate um, and and maybe calling plays in in the NFL and in college is clearly a, a different skill because you're looking at it. Usually a lot of guys are looking at it in college level from above. But I just feel like it comes down to players, just like head coaching does. It comes down to players and your ability to communicate with them. And that is something that no matter, despite the amount of access that we do have to these teams, we rarely see how guys really communicate with their subjects and how they're able to push buttons. And so I, I just, when it comes to coordinators, I just like lose focus. I, 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 I feel like there it's. We're I think judging, the Cowboys felt that way this year too. <laughs> I, I feel yeah. like we're we're often judging them on on things that are not the most significant in doing their jobs. Uh, yeah, we'll see. And, and I, I could be, you know, I may be way off base here. It's just my personal opinion on that. Uh, you know, it was. Uh, I was a little surprised by the Mike Nolan uh, hire uh, for the Cowboys. Um, 
there's no connection to you, you can't say it, it's because of Dick Nolan. Jerry has no con- connection to Dick Nolan. Yeah. That's Tom Landry. No, but McCarthy does, right? McCarthy has a ne- connection to Mike Nolan. Yeah. So, I mean, you want him to have the guys yeah. he wants. Uh, there's no question about that. I, I think yeah, we get it, that Mike Nolan a, fired McCarthy, uh, hired McCarthy right. in San Francisco. Right. And this, right this gets into a whole different conversation, too, right? Because they, and, uh, since we're not having a baseball podcast, I'll use another baseball parable here. But, um, in baseball, the coaching staffs used to all be the cronies of right. of the manager, right? It was Billy mm-hmm. Martin, especially who yeah. could th- who could throw some BP, and who was the crony of the manager. And we always look for those connections and the familiarity. And, and I think what we're seeing on the baseball side now is that managers don't have the ability to to choose their coaching staffs nearly the way they did before. Maybe one coach, maybe two coaches, but by and large, it's based on resume. It's based on um, accomplishment, and it's based on okay, what are you bringing in here that's a skill that we don't have, and and, and so the the minute that you, we hire coaches now, and you you say okay, well this guy's coming with him because he's his buddy, I get a little bit you know I I, I get a little bit does, does, sure to the point like is he the most qualified for this job? Yeah, I I, I agree with that. I, I will yeah. say this: I don't want to defend Jerry too much. But when people talk about oh Jerry Defender, Jerry Defender, when you're you're uh, what do you you want to ride in the helicopter? He's, right? Yeah, the, the pork chopper. Uh, the, when he goes, you know, he's making these decisions for him about things. It's just what you said. That's happening all over the place. GMs all over the place are telling coaches, "This is the guys you're going to have. This is the guys you're going to have on your on your squad. These are the, these are the players you're going to have. That's some, that's, this is how you're going to play them. That's, that's the modern what, day business approach to everything, and well, it, it's, it's that, pervaded what, every sport. Right? That's what analytics are telling you to Correct. do, and that's to me and i really didn't know this and i'm ashamed of myself for not knowing this i did not really realize that that jason was not an analytics guy and and i don't understand how a, a princeton guy uh, is as smart as he is you take you take rick carlisle mm-hmm. who, who uh, you know uh the the Mavericks, the Mavericks are struggling a little bit right now and and they're having some issues i don't think that's because of rick carlisle if you look at him when he started out as a head coach and rick's a really smart guy there were no analytics in basketball, you know. Not to the level they are. Right? No. no. And now you look at them, and it's like his argument about uh, about Kristaps Porzingis taking thirty five footers yeah. and not and not setting up on the blocks because you got you know, Shaq and Charles Barkley yeah. and all these people saying this is what you have to do if you're going to be that guy. And it's like uh, first thing I always think is if Ralph Sampson played now, he'd been a, yes. he'd been a superstar right. if yes. he played now instead yeah. of back in the eighties because he couldn't play on the blocks right. like what they wanted him to do. But, they, I, I think but that's what my point is about that is that. That that Jason uh, uh, didn't do that, didn't embrace analytics, and those things, generally speaking, do not come from the manager. Those things, generally speaking, come from management. They come from the organization. Well, they, start, itself. they start with management now, and sure. I think on, on the Absolutely. baseball side, we're seeing a hiring of guys who mm-hmm. do believe in analytics. Oh yeah, yeah, you got to yeah. be able to, to right. want to use them, but they, they don't. It's not like you. It's not like you're bringing your computer with you. Correct. It's not like you're saying, right, "Look, this is now." That's what that's what uh, Mike McCarthy is saying. I want to bring this 14 person, you mm-hmm. know, uh, research Analytic department, team, right. you know, with me. You I want to bring a coordinator. Yeah. So right. I want to do all this kind of stuff. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. That's going to be one of the first questions. But the point is, is that this stuff comes from management, and so when you have that kind of thing, this is what's taking over sports, like it or not. This is what's taking over sports. All of them, it's, going, it's coming from the top down. It's no longer the manager being or the head coach being the major person in it's this not organization. Based, it's not so much based on instinct. It's based on probability. And that was the, mm-hmm. the, the greatest Absolutely. takeaway of this NFL season regarding the Dallas Cowboys that I had, I think, was the exchange that you guys had with Jason Garrett. Uh, the when, Amari Cooper. When Not there was the, on the field, or? there was there was a question about win probability, right? And, yes, and okay. he said we don't we don't yeah. do that kind of thing. And yeah. I forget who the opponent was at that week, but you guys had 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 mentioned that you know this team discusses win probability with every play call mm-hmm. that they run that model mm-hmm. with whatever their analytics are, and they 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 run it through everything. And whether or not you choose to call your play based on the win probability, if the Cowboys aren't doing that model then they are far behind the rest of the NFL. Absolutely, yeah. they are. And then you have to say why you did not. Correct. And usually, a lot of times, it's not going to work out because you went against – you have to have a good reason on why it goes against the probabilities. Yeah. Now, you can explain on a circumstantial – your circumstantial reasons for it. 
and they may make sense and it appeases management. But but when you have that information there and you just choose to ignore it, that is not the response. That's crazy. I'm, I'm telling you, look, we I, I've watched it happen. Of course, in baseball, it was first in baseball and, uh, and, and what's happened with it and what's allowed to happen. And there are a lot of things about it I didn't like at first. But the thing is, that you look at what's happened there with 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 uh, shifts and with the decisions and what they do and 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 with with everything that's going on, the teams that are doing or they're adopting these things are the teams that are winning. I, I, listen, my my perspective on this is I go back to 1999 when I said to somebody about I think OPS. I was uh, at that point in time. I, I said. Oh, that's just it, I, I don't I don't buy it right because mm-hmm. it was it, well you're adding the, you're adding on base percentage and, and slugging percentage I don't buy it it's right. newfangled stuff right and and I was embarrassed by that in short term and uh, there in baseball we have so many different stats that you can look at and you can confuse yourself with some of them and some of them may be contradictory but I feel like if you're not taking the time and the money to invest in the analytics and run the information. If you're not doing that, you are, you're just spiting yourself. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, it, it's a tool and we've got more ability to run that tool, use that tool, run the information faster than we ever have. And there may be times when the percentages may say this, but your instinct says something else and that's okay. I mean, because there are going to be sure. times when you go against the percentage. Or else you just hire on, a computer. Yeah. But yeah. I, I still think you've because got – Because that information is not telling you what happened in the with similar circumstances the previous two times that you were faced with that in that mm-hmm. game. Correct. So, I mean, it's, it, it's, a, it's a larger view. It's not the micro view. So it's, a, it's a tool. There's still room for using instinct and, and it, adapting it, within the game. And it's, a, it's amazing that we started this podcast talking about how Jason – was so yeah. formulated in everything and that we're ending it talking about, well, he wasn't formulated enough on no. this element. So it, 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 that's the weird world of sports. We've got to get out of here. Irwin's going to come in here and, and, yelling. and yell at us. I hate it when IT yells. Yeah, I know. Irwin Thompson is... is, is, is I like our, to nudge him to yell, though. That's always a good... Director <laughs> of photography. But the, we, we have to... Um, we have to go. We have to go. It's Fine. been great talking with you this week about Cowboys. I hope you'll understand why we didn't get... Any Rangers or Mavericks talk this week? Uh, There's plenty still to do for the Rangers. We'll get back to that next week. But uh, this has been a special ballsy. Special ballsy. They're all special, Evan. On the Cowboys. You're special. They're whatever you want to call it. They're coaching search. They're coaching hire. They're coaching in action. But we'll be back next week. See everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Cowboys Ballsy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our weekly episodes on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search the Ballsy with a Z podcast. Until next time, sports fans, we'll see you.